Welcome to Reading the Bible Together. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Can we go there? I don't know. Like, yeah. A lot of it is, like, when I was in that position, it was, I had so much unresolved and unhealed trauma from my childhood. Part of it was foster care, adoption, mental health that I just couldn't find healing or resolve from or relief from. Unexpected. When you look in the lineage of Jesus, there are five women there that are unexpected. Women you wouldn't think would be in the lineage of the Messiah, but they're there. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at their stories. If you want to get your hands on that study guide, you can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking to the artist that created the images for that study guide, and part of that conversation is going to include some of her story, and she's had some hard things in her past that might not be great for children to hear, so I just want to give you that heads up as we go into this episode. This is the introductory episode for our series on the lineage of Jesus. Whenever we're, we're doing a series, trying to figure out, we always want to do an introductory episode and trying to figure out who to talk to and what is the story that we want to bring in our intro episode. And with this series, we were trying to figure out, because we're looking at five women in the lineage of Jesus, and so we, and we always have a photo associated with our studies. And as we t- were talking about it, we were talking about, you know, what, kind of signif- what visually signifies each of these women. And, and I said, well, you know, if, if I got my way, I would have my friend Anna do the drawings because she's just a really gifted artist. And, uh, and my friend was like, oh, and I said, well, yeah, look at her, look at her art. And so we started talking and then <laughs> gratefully, thank you, God, things worked out that we were able to have the budget, the budget to do that. And Anna said, yes, she was available to do that. And so I am so, so grateful to welcome my friend, Anna Friend to the podcast. Welcome, Anna. Yes, thank you. I'm so happy to be here and just super excited and honored to have done the, the artwork for the series. It's beautiful. If you haven't checked out the study guide, go to myfaithradio.com. You can sign up for the study and um, get that downloadable study guide to see the artwork that she did. Yeah, it's beautiful. Give me gave me chills. Oh, it was so beautiful. Yes. As we're going into the study and I've been recording episodes for it, I've been asking all of my guests a favorite story that they have from their own lineage and ancestry. And it wasn't until I came to ask you this question and we're friends, and so I know your backstory, and I know that you have adoption as a part of your backstory. When I realized that, I thought, oh my goodness, how this question about a story from your lineage or ancestry might land on someone who's adopted. And so I wanted wanted to acknowledge to you, the listener, if you have experienced adoption, I was going to say if it's been a hard experience, every adoption is hard because there's broken, there's, yes. there's a reason that the adoption had to happen. And sometimes people go into adopted families and are loved and supported and cherished. And sometimes that's not the story. And so I just want you to know up front, I'm asking all of my guests this question. And so if that's triggering for you, I, I, that is not my intention. My intention was to, we're looking at the lineage of Jesus. And so I wanted us to think about our own lineage. But what I appreciate when I asked you about this in email, Anna, mm-hmm. is what how you responded back to what comes to mind for you when I ask you this question? Yeah. And my response to that was, well, first, yes, adoption is messy. It's a story kind of that's birthed out of pain and brokenness and really revealing how, how broken families can become and how messy our stories can 
can be as they're walked out. But now as an adult and 34 now, um, looking back at the adoption story that I, I walked through, I love looking at it now, walking in a mature, more mature relationship with Christ. I can see um, the imagery now behind when Paul was talking about being grafted in to the kingdom of God and, and being sons and daughters of um, God's family and looking at him as the father and really walking out in that identity as daughter or if you're a male the adoptee being a son of God or just and that's for everyone you know mm-hmm. when Christ came and gave his life he poured his blood out so that everyone could then be adopted and grafted into his family his kingdom what's really beautiful about adoption in that time in the time of Jesus so for example Joseph was Mary's husband, but not Jesus's father. Mm-hmm. But when they, after Jesus is born, at the appointed time, they went to the temple and they made the sacrifice. And that was, Joseph at that time was saying that Jesus was his son. Mm-hmm. And the custom, or the law, was at the time that you could disinherit a child that was birthed to you, but if you adopted a child, there was yeah. no option to disinherit them. They were yeah. once you adopted them, they were always there's yours. a permanency. Yeah. 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 And I, so when we're grafted in, it's a it's a, a permanency. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, that's really neat. I remember reading about the Roman yeah, that mm-hmm. history tidbit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a peace and what a joy to know that once he once the Father has has chosen you, because there's a chosenness that comes with that when God looks at at you as his daughter. He says that's you're mine. I'm choosing you and nothing can take that away. Like nothing, nothing can, can separate, separate us. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's beautiful. So how does that, how does the question I'm asking land on you? Yeah. I mean, like you said, every adoption story is so different. And the more I'm getting to know people in who have been adopted, um, as I do various ministry things, ev- like everyone's story is different. My story, I actually have a lot more knowledge with my ancestry and my background than I'm finding maybe some others who are, I'm Korean, so I'm a Korean adoptee local to Minnesota. However, I was not from a Korean orphanage. I'm actually a local. Like a domestic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Despite being overseas. I was born on U.S. soil in Korea. But for me, like I had been given enough knowledge and had, I was a later adoption. So I was adopted when I was six. So I had been given enough to kind of have a little bit of knowing a little bit of hints of where I came from. I understood that I was, as told, half Korean and half Swedish. And so I had that in my background. But then I also learned my name came from my biological great grandmother. So that's Anna Linnea. That's something that's been very special. And I remember when we were adopted, I was given the opportunity. Because you were adopted with your brother. Yep, with my brother. Your bio- full biological brother. Yes. He was, I was six, and so he, I think he was almost five when, when we were placed in that home. We were given an opportunity to change, to do a name change when everything was said and done with the courts. I think we were beyond the age of six, but I remember knowing there was a special specialness to my name. Mm-hmm. It was something I didn't want to let go of, and I was young, but I still didn't want to change that name, Anna Linnea. So they had nicknamed me Annie. I had always been called Annie growing up. So I remember saying, just don't call me Annie, call me Anna. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to keep that name. That's like a special piece that grandmother passed away 
And when my daughter was born, I knew I wanted to keep that name going. Um, so we named her Linnea. And I just love that. And we kind of, when we chose her name, our daughter's name, we wanted to pick a name from each family facet, I guess you could say. So my husband's line mm-hmm. is the last name. And then my daughter's middle name actually comes from my adoptive family. And that's Kay. So my daughter's name, Linnea K. Friend. That's her whole, like, the, that's all of us together. And so that was really meaningful. So just that, carrying that name from our lineage, from our ancestry, even though it kind of came from a broken mess and I'm not really, I don't, I don't know them. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of mess in between the then and the now. Mm-hmm. But knowing that God is moving and interweaving parts of our story and that she came from some of that, I want to carry carry in some things that draw meaning to me for the future, creating a new thing in the future. Yeah. I didn't know that her name was your middle name. Oh, yeah. Linnea yeah. is, yeah. yep, that's my middle name. Yeah. And then, my, like I said, my, my great-grandmother on my Swedish side, mm-hmm. her name. And that came from... However, I don't even know how long they had been carrying that name. I wish I'm like, I want to trace back. I don't know how long, but that would be fun to peek and trail down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How neat. You've talked a little bit about how experience in adoption has influenced your understanding of being grafted into God's kingdom. Is there any more that you want to say about that? Yeah. um, I just, there was a a season in my life where I was just really kind of eating up knowledge about like the grafting process and how the gardener will take you know, a branch from like a wild olive tree is kind of what Paul's talking about and grafting it into the, the in, intended olive tree that would then provide sustenance and nourishment to, the, to new, the new branches he's bringing in. And I remember just being amazed and just, it's amazing how thoughtful God is and how detailed he is and how maybe as an artist, I see detail in things that not everyone naturally just would. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading about it, there's a cutting of the branch, but there's also a wounding to the initial tree. But then as I kept reading, there's even a healing process. And so the gardener will create like a V cut. Well, there's different kinds of cut, but um, That's what I've, I've seen yeah. it on apple trees. Yeah. Where they try to, yes. bra- they graft the two together to get a different. A new fruit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then they'll wedge the new branch into that that cut and then they'll wrap it and they'll bind it. And it has to take time to heal for it to even be produce mm-hmm. a fruit, for it to even be able to have enough strength to receive the nourishment from that tree that it's being bound to. And it that scripture, bind my wandering heart to the even like mm-hmm. or that you know, like that there's him. a mm-hmm. binding that him, yeah, um, that happens and there's a healing process in that. And just think looking at my story, I'm like, adoption was hard. Being through a lot of the things that I've been through on the adoption journey. I mean, even after finding that quote forever family, life was really hard. And there was a lot um of healing that had to be done for me to be able to get to a place where I could then truly receive that nutrition, I guess that Mm -hmm. nutritional flow from what God could provide to me. I had a, I had a kind of go through that time of being bound and healed up um, in him. So I just maybe leave that as an encouragement to whoever is in a season where they feel like they, you know, they need to be healed from, certain things or they're being removed from a thing and then placed into the thing that God has for them. 
and just allowing for that time and that space to go through the healing process and not try to speed it up or bypass right. it. Cause I, I tried to do that and you can't. <laughs> yeah. Or time to just grieve. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of times we don't give ourselves time to grieve a loss, mm-hmm. whether that's loss of a family or loss of hopes, loss of dreams, yeah. you know, loss of, you know, someone in your life changes and that's, it's a loss of kind of relationship being uh, giving your space, giving yourself the space to grieve that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's something we're not very, at least in American culture, not very right. good at doing. We're not. Yeah. And those are things. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Adopt. And even in adoption, like there's a grieving process there. Like you have, you're grieving what you could have had. Mm-hmm. You're grieving what you maybe painted in your mind, even as like the hopes and dreams of a family, like painting the perfect picture. And then right. even I'm like, even in, the church now we're being grafted and when you're adopted into God's kingdom you're born again you still see the humanness and the flaws of the, of people right right it's not going to be that perfect painting you maybe have imagined you know it to be but you you're going to be let down yes <laughs> <laughs> like cling to God cuz he'll show you how to navigate any any trial and every challenge relationally even yeah yeah so as you were drawing the five women yes what kind of came up for you or what were you what inspired you how do you feel like you relate to the the stories of these women yeah um as I was drawing them I, I thought about those things before you'd even asked I'm like mm-hmm. oh my goodness like drawing Mary which you you had some beautiful comments on Mary just um how beautiful that illustration was but for me I'm like oh my goodness I do not relate at all to Mary <laughs> because Part of part of my story, some of the brokenness even after after adoption um, was uh, I had experienced sexual abuse and that's what caused the need for adoption. My my father was jailed until my 18th birthday, and then after that, even finding that forever home, I went through years of sexual abuse, um, and that was not shared or expressed, and so I just felt very tainted, very dirty, not pure, used. And so that like when I say I did not relate to Mary, I just think about the things that I had been through and that those are like I had known when I was adopted, why I was adopted. So that was those were weights that I carried as a a six year old. Uh, Yes. Throughout my entire childhood. Yeah. Um, And that really shaped a lot of the decisions that I made and just uh, things that I became subject to. Um, as I was older, so there was this season in my life where I was I was actually exploited and trafficked. And so I, because of those experiences in my life, I related more to Rahab or Bathsheba, just be, not having that purity kind of, just a little rougher background. And then Tamar, you know, having been prostituted um, and just knowing that, that life a little bit and the connotation of impurity around that and just seeing those images then once done laid out and knowing like they were all a part of God's purpose and plan for God to essentially invite all of us into his family and he was able to use some you know women who maybe didn't come didn't come from the most put together the most Mm -hmm. well um, some of them were they weren't they weren't Jewish they They weren't weren't part of yeah. yeah and the thing that has been striking me is that even though, you know, for Tamar, for example, even though she posed as a prostitute in something that you'll hear in the 
episode when we talk about her is that she I was when we recorded that episode I was very caught because I was talking about how we would talk about some somebody who was a prostitute today mm-hmm. and because she is called noble and like yeah. righteous and I was saying that's not how we would describe someone mm-hmm. who's a prostitute today and I was really like it was like a check in my spirit when I said it because I thought and we talked about how nobody was asking Tamar about what was happening with the second son when he wouldn't allow her to get pregnant and then I thought nobody's asking how, how many prostitutes are we how many women yeah. who are either being trafficked or are working as a prostitute yeah. how how much are we or are we at all and I think the answer is not that all that are we asking their story are we asking how we got there we never asked you know no one ever asked Tamar how did you get there no one ever asked you know we're still not asking yeah. those important questions today you know if someone yeah. would have asked you how did you find yourself here versus casting judgment, judgment. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. There, there are great organizations, and you know, we're my we. I have I oversee one, um, formerly known as Anchor Thirteen Studio, now remade. Um, but we we try to help educate those, and we 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 say um, proper now to say women who have been prostituted rather than labeling them as prostitutes, and that's kind of a subject of identity because um, we want to speak life over them. Right. And yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, a lot of if you're, can we go there? I don't know. Like, yeah, a lot of it is like when I was in that position, it was I had so much unresolved and unhealed trauma from my childhood. Part of it was foster care, adoption, sexual abuse, and then mental health that I just couldn't find healing or resolve from or relief from. Yeah, I mean, a lot of big things for, for a little adult, kid, much less a child to deal with. Right? Yes. And so I was battling with mental health and I had a pretty bad bike accident, not too far from here. Actually, it was just down, <laughs> down a block or so, but that was a lot of medical debt. I wasn't covered by insurance or anything. And so, um, I was so overwhelmed, so stuck in my depression, so riddled with anxiety and suicidal for years at this point. So for me, it was not really a free choice that I had. To me, it was the only choice aside from suicide that I had to make it and to survive and to try to see a day without just holding on by a string, trying to make it through and not wanting it to be a long-term thing, but just to try to get through to the next step. Yeah, Yeah. to be stable, hopefully, one day. Yeah, so if that helps listeners understand, like, there may be a, a story there. And there is a story like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Something deeper. Well, and I think all of these women, too. I mean, I think you made a good point about that. They're all in the lineage of the Messiah. Yeah. Of the Savior. And that the that God, you know, when we look at the story of Ruth, that she's someone she's not she's not part of Israel. She's not a Hebrew woman. She's a Moabite. Mm -hmm. And for him to bring her back. And to have her be a part of the lineage is, I mean, it, it just feels like the gate's swinging wide open. Mm-hmm. She heard from him, like, to know what to do, right? Like, there was some, or something within her, like, she, yeah. There's some understanding for her to go with her mother-in-law yeah. away from the land that she knew into a land she didn't, didn't make know. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it's like, 
God moves our hearts and he motivates us. And it's like he, he draws us in and his choosing and calling of us, you know, like, mm-hmm. like we talked about a little earlier, just with adoption, there's a chosen uh, being chosen and then having that be irrevocable. Little did she know she was being chosen, you know, for a um, amazingly beautiful purpose of bringing in, yeah, the Messiah, bringing in our Lord. And then, like I said, eventually bringing in an invitation for us, you and I, to be a part of that that family. Mm-hmm. To be grafted in. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else about the, the process of drawing these women or thinking about these women's stories that you want to make sure we talk about? Uh, I think just at any time I'm given an opportunity to create, it personally reminds me of purpose hmm. and just trusting him and and leaning into him to to kind of navigate what that looks like for for our lives there's giftings and there's there's reasons why he's bringing you through one season to the next and in part of my my I was six when I wrote this I wanted to be an artist when I was a little girl Mm -hmm. so through that adoption story I had always found little pockets of time to draw and to paint and to it was kind of an escape for me from all the chaos in a place where I felt peace. And so just anytime I create, I, I can't help but thank him and give him praise because I went through chaos. Mm-hmm. But now he's using all that pain, all that trauma, all of that, whatever mess I had gone through and just to be able to be in a position now where I can use these gifts as a way to bring glory to his name or to just help with his kingdom work um, reflect his beauty reflect his beauty yeah Mm -hmm. um it's it's a joy and so I just I don't know I always feel compelled to share that because you never know when someone you with with struggling with mental health you kind of get bogged down and you you lose motivation to to do those things that you are maybe gifted at and if your hands are anointed to to write to draw to paint to sing whatever it is knowing that he had he had purpose when when I went through all of that and I get to live it out now is just a joy so thank you for inviting me in so that I can um, express express some of the gifts that he's given to me yeah well you were like I said you were the first person I thought of when we when we said we want these illustrations and I said I know someone who can do that (laughs) I love it yeah I'm grateful (laughs) and honored thank you yeah thank you for making such beautiful pictures and thank you for sharing so vulnerably about your story. I know that there's a cost when we share hard things and you shared very hard things. So thank you very much. I, I I hope for you, those of you who are listening, that you, you can hear the hope Mm -hmm. that Anna has been able to experience. I hope you hear, um, the pain that she's walked through and that, um, God has, you know, in that, in that purpose of, being able to use your gift that there was, it wasn't just pain for pain's sake. It's pain that becomes purposeful. I don't think God causes pain. I think he allows it to happen, but he'll make it good. He'll make good out of that. And sometimes that looks like being able to come alongside people in ways that you wouldn't otherwise be able to, or to be able to testify to the redemption that he's brought in your life. And Mm -hmm. so I have for sure seen that in your life. So thank you so much, Anna. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for joining us for this introductory conversation into Unexpected, Five Women in the Lineage of Jesus. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time when we start our conversation talking about Tamar. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.